0: Mama's gave us two, we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass, we gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half-full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi
1: Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors, we're not nurses. We're not shrinks, we're not psychics, we're not shamans. No, and cancer's pretty hard, too. I mean, cancer's a little hard. You might hear some swearing words in the episode. Ben, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment.
2: It's it's your mother's cancer this
1: week, because my mom had cancer. Oh, Leanna, this is the anniversary, right, today? This is the anniversary. So we are recording January 1st,
2: 2019. Is the 20th anniversary of my mother's death from breast cancer. And she was 46, 46? turning 47. She never saw her 47th birthday. Okay but she was she was really young. I was
1: 33, so I beat her by like 14 years. Oh man. And so how old were you when she got diagnosed with cancer and, and what was going on in your world? Okay. When that so
2: I was I was 15 years old. I'm the youngest of six kids and my mother had my mother had six kids and my brother had just gotten home from his 2-year mission in Italy and my mother started having back pain and I was like, you know, a regular I was a sophomore which is the first year of high school in Utah. I mean, 15 years old, just like, I don't know, ding-dong, 15-year-old trying to figure shit out. Oh, God. But it was me and my sister and my brother at home. The older kids had moved out, so it was three kids at home. My one sister was engaged to get married. So, yeah, it was...
1: And and how did your mom, like, what were the first signs? And, like, how did her diagnosis roll out? So, mom started having back pain.
2: And so she was going, during this whole period, she got diagnosed October 13th. But from, like, June, she was going to back specialists and saying, hey, I'm having a lot of back pain, and then them giving her cushions to sit on. So they thought it was a slip disc or right. something like that. Yes. Like- and she, like, couldn't get any traction at all for months with oh. doctors. And, like, trying to figure out, and she's like, I am having a lot of pain. And... Not that they weren't taking her seriously, but it was, like, kind of a pat on the head for mm-hmm. a lot of it. Yeah. So she went through a couple of months of that, and then one day um, I came home from school, and one of the tables was moved at the bottom of the stairs, and I'm like, Mom got picked up by an ambulance. Like, I just immediately knew. Oh, no. And how she described that event is she was standing by her bed, and it felt like hands reached up from the floor and dragged her down with pain. Oh, <gasps> And so she couldn't move. My dad was at work. My sister, I think it was, it was Gab or Leslie there. Anyway, I have a million sisters. I think it was Leslie, though. Called the called the ambulance, and the ambulance came, and in order to get the stretcher down the stairs, they had moved that table. Right. But immediately upon walking in, I knew, like, I knew something was wrong.
1: Did you think your mom was getting sick, too? Like, could you tell that she wasn't something, like, something was off? Or was that really not in your radar as a 15-year-old?
2: Um, That was not in my radar yeah, as a 15-year-old. <laughs> yeah, that's natural. It is, yeah. I'm I mean, and I'm wondering, like, I remember her having pain, and she went to a bunch of doctor's appointments, Mm -hmm. which, like, mom never did that. Like, we, I broke my wrist one year. Well, I sprained it first, and then Emily broke it. Uh, She She twisted it, it. but no sister time she so we never went to the hospital I sprained my wrist and we didn't go to the hospital right and so for mom to start going to the hospital and having this kind of back pain and she always had back pain off and on but this was like seemed a lot more serious but I was I was I was wrapped in up in my 15 year old world wondering if Dimitri would notice me
1: so then suddenly so she goes to the hospital and then yes. what so, happened next? So that night, we had a like
2: family meeting uh, just at the hospital outside of Mom's room, and Dad said that, I think it was immediately the day that she went in, they did an MRI. And so Dad said... So they saw tumors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Dad said, you know, we don't know everything, but Mom has cancer and it's really serious. Mm-hmm. But my mom... So we knew it was stage four cancer. We knew it had metastasized. Mm -hmm. Um, And pretty early on, like within the week, we knew that like mom was not going to get better. I mean, it would take like she had tumors. They found out that it started as breast cancer, but she had tumors in her spine, which was causing the back pain. Right. In her liver, in her brain, like
1: all over. She was deep into stage 4. She was she dying. Was, and she was she dying. she collapsed cuz she was passing
2: away. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but when my mom, when my dad got the news, dad talked with the doctors first cuz you know, mom's in and out of them right. high or whatever. Right. And and my mom, when she saw my dad at diagnosis, she said, "Do I want to know?" And my dad shook his head. <gasps> and oh. she was like, "Okay, then don't tell me." How do you know that story? Dad told us that story, like, at the time, like, in that family meeting. So you knew
1: more than your mom did a little bit. We knew more than mom did a little bit.
2: Which is, like, I get... I get that, but it's also kind of a weird burden to put
1: on your the children. It's oddly it strikes me as oddly old fashioned. I don't feel like we do that so much. Yeah. I mean dad is like an old fashioned kind of guy. Yeah. Like I Well they're a different generation than us. Oh yeah. And it's a different kind of medicine
2: and different kind of outcomes. My dad's a baby boomer, but I think he like grew up really in the depression <laughs> like his right. kind of
1: yeah no i know that like he was he's a generation before him got it yeah but it's it's that was more that like you think listen when there's no cures for things now we have the same attitude mm. right so so let's talk about that so what was it like so she's got stage 4 cancer and so 20 years ago what was your mom's procedure like like what was her treatment so like if any? the doctor's and part of,
2: part of this is like I'm remembering 20 years ago when I was like a ding dong 15. 15-year-old. You year were old.
1: 15 year old, and you were really so so. Some upset. of this is
2: like memory from the actual time, and some of this is like the family folklore, or, you know, of contemporaneous course. or whatever. Right. Um, I also have a journal I kept from that time. That was my uh. that was my cancer journal. Was the journal I started. When mom got diagnosed with cancer.
1: I remember you mentioning that. That's heavy.
2: So, so I do have contemporaneous evidence <laughs> right, of all of this, but right. Uh, so that, uh, what was the process like for me? I can't remember the
1: question. What was the process like for your mom 20 years ago?
2: Oh, the process. So, Assuming it was different from what we went through. Yes, it was different from what we went through because mom, the doctors said to mom or to dad, like there's nothing we can do. Like we can do palliative care and we can make her comfortable. But, like, there is no treatment. But mom and dad wanted to fight. And part of it was, like, she had kids in the house. Like, she wasn't ready to give up because she didn't want to know that she was dying. So they did chemo. They're like, okay, well, I mean, you can do chemo. Like, you know. Maybe. It might have an effect. It might, like, give her a couple more months. (sighs) Because... Right when she was diagnosed that first week, the doctors said she is not going to survive this to see the disease. new year.
1: Like this disease is going... This
2: disease is going to kill her immediately. And this was in October. This was in October. And they said they, that she wouldn't see the beginning of the year. So mm-hmm. she did two rounds of chemo. And that chemo... Because my chemo, it felt like I had the flu or I had like a bad hangover. Right. But mom's chemo she was vomiting vomiting she couldn't taste any of her food yeah like she put away she hid all of her chocolate from us kids because she was like it tastes like metal right now and i want to be able to appreciate this after i don't have this chemo side effect Uh so that was really rough but other than that she didn't have any treatments because you can't do surgery Right, you can't do radiation, right, so she didn't have a lot of treatments. she did um so immediately she didn't have a living will. Mm-hmm. and it was hard for me as a fifteen year old because we know Mom's gonna die. We know she's gonna die immediately. Mm-hmm. How much do you try to keep someone alive? Right. And like, I wanted Mom to live, obviously, but, but if she's gonna die. Anyway, like watching this suffering Mm -hmm. because around Thanksgiving, mom had pneumonia Mm -hmm. and went into the ICU, and mom was dead. Like, they they resuscitated her. Oh, gosh. And after that, she was like, Do not resuscitate me.
1: Yeah, one of the things that's striking me as you're talking about this story is to think about someone who's so sick going through chemotherapy because we were basically healthier and stronger by sh- two or three shades from your mom oh, more yeah. or more really because yeah. there's no there's no bottom to the depths of stage four cancer it's just how much no. you survive right oh, and, and I mean to think about going through chemo when you're that sick too like she was at the point where she was collapsing from cancer in her bones and everywhere else so mm-hmm. to think that like she was going through chemo um, we could have even gotten the same dosage maybe but with our stages it would have been Maybe easier for us to manage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Considering the stage she was in, it. I'm just yeah. taking that in that that's a different stage. And also, I think too nowadays they probably would have had her on bed rest. Or she was in yeah. Boston, she would have been at Dana well, Farber. Maybe she on was IV on and...
2: bed rest for a long time, but Mom didn't like oh, rest very she much. Do bed rest? I get it. No, she didn't. She yeah. didn't do much. Well,
1: bed that's rest with six kids. Nothing would change that with someone's personality type. That's <laughs> yeah.
2: So oh. her treatment. Her treatment was minimal and everything was like just super
1: traumatic. So... What was this like for the other kids? And what was this like for you as kids? Like, what was it like for the family? So the family, mom was
2: the spoke of the wheel. Like, I think a lot of moms are spokes of the wheel. You mean the hub, the hub of the wheel? Oh, yes. The hub of the wheel. Mm -hmm. So a lot of moms are the hub of the wheel. So when you don't have that, everyone kind of goes spiraling off into their own direction. Really true. Yeah. So it was kids were 15 to 25. She had two married kids, one recently engaged, one in college and two in high school. And like all of these are very tender ages mm-hmm. that need their mom in different ways that now can't have her. So for the family, like we just spiraled off into our own little universes. Like there wasn't after that like initial family meeting. It's like not you kind of went cohesive. into your own
1: worlds and protected yourselves a e- little bit.
2: Yes, huh? I mean, I remember going. I'm trying to remember if there was like events where we sought each other out. I mean, we were also spending like so much time with each other in the waiting rooms of hospitals and my family's like loud and boisterous and we all kind of cope with humor Mm -hmm. and the ones of us that don't cope with humor we cope with volume so we (laughs) were given like our own private waiting rooms a lot. (laughs) because we were loud and like I don't know
1: punching each other and like um, the the sturdy the sturdy furniture in the hospital was breaking (laughs) under the pressure of the house family (laughs) I mean there's a lot of us the Huntsman
2: Cancer Center barely made it oh no this was not the Huntsman oh we were at St. Mark's which is like an itty bitty and they like have you know what I don't even know and 20 years ago it was like nothing okay so mom didn't even make it because she went and she like I mean, she could have been transported by ambulance, but, mm. like, by the time that they did the first test, they're like, oh, this is cancer, and there was no reason to transfer her. I got so, it. So the family is loud and boisterous, but and so we are we were spending a lot of time together, I guess, like, being in denial about what's happening, mm-hmm. and then we're, like, retreating off into our own worlds to, mm-hmm. to, like, try to process whatever this is. Yeah. So it was, like, not a... It wasn't, like, rah-rah house kids. It was, like... It was, like, I guess we're having to spend a lot of time together because this is shitty.
1: Right. Let's just get through it. Yeah. And then would you guys talk to each other at this time of the year? Would you call each other, like, typically at... Like on this day, like would you reach out to each other through the years, or is it just something you kind of quietly acknowledge? Do you like so? For the first couple of years
2: after, we were more of a cohesive family unit in our grieving process. So like the first year, on the first and second and third anniversary of mom's death, we would spend time together, like up at a hot springs, and like mm. all get. You oh, know it sounds really good. Two right bedrooms. <laughs> I know.
1: Sorry, sorry that your mom had to die for that, but. <laughs> And, and thanks, like cancer. <laughs> hang out and eat chili and play card games uh, and like Yeah, but that's healing too. I get yeah. it. I really do get so it. So we yeah. did that
2: for a couple of years, but now it's kind of like sometimes we'll message each other, but mm-hmm. it's like these little pockets of
1: like, remember how shitty today is? Oh yeah, I totally I'm there remember. Too. Yeah. So I guess that leads me to a big question that I've wondered about is obviously you got diagnosed and that must have been really weird and hard. So talk to talk to us about like what the echoes were like of that experience for your siblings and you, you know, cuz let's talk about like how many years after your mom got diagnosed, were you diagnosed? So
2: mom was diagnosed in 1998 at the end of the year, and I was diagnosed in 2016. So it was 18 years. Mhm. Is that right? Yeah, it sounds about right, I think. So I It was 18 years later, and once I heard that it was the cancer diagnosis, like... It's the same time of year. I'm going through chemo at the same time. It's like those same holidays that are hard anyway. Mm Because, like, Thanksgiving, like, I remember last Thanksgiving with Mom. Exactly. Christmas, I remember that last Christmas. New Year's Day. Oh, my God, New Year's Day and coming home from, like, a date with my first boyfriend and, like, finding my mother dying Mm -hmm. in the downstairs bedroom. Like, all of those things
1: like, come up more vividly when, you know, you're kind of going through the same thing. Also, I think one of the things that you've had the experience of that I haven't is you've actually seen someone die of cancer.
2: Uh, yes. So um, that's, that's visceral. Yeah, well, and I saw, like, the slow decline, because it was, from diagnosis to death, was two and a half months for a month.
1: Which sounds fast to us, but when it's, like, there, it's probably a very slow experience. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's,
2: like, slow and, like, hopeless, I think is the right. hardest thing. So. As I was going through this process, it was like walking in mom's shoes Mm -hmm. in a way that I never had before. And that was really hard because it was like understanding that process from the Mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. And it's this good thing. And like, I felt close to my mom, but it's also like, I never, I never wanted to know this. Right. And like, as I'm going through this process, like... My doctors were totally confident that they could cure me. Like, totally. Like, it was never even a question. Once I got the diagnosis, it wasn't a question of... If we're going to cure me or not, it's a question of, like, single or double mastectomy.
1: And unlike some other patients, you come um, at this from a very medically informed platform where you can take that news in, I think. Right. And mom, like, wouldn't have understood any of this in the way that I
2: do now, having both had a mother that died of cancer and, you know, working on the periphery of hospitals for so long. But uh, as I was going through this process, I was having my cancer as I walked walk through my own experience but also walking through it with mom imagining having a 16 a 15 year old child imagine watching my children watch me die imagine that hopelessness Mm -hmm. in a way that like like I was walking mom's path to for all of those anniversaries because how could you not you
1: know it sounds to me it's like you saw you felt the experience and from a new facet yes. like a different facet of the experience a new pa- which is probably led to a lot of enlightenment and a lot of uh, painful yeah. realization it sounds like too it's, it's heavy
2: yeah it was heavy and mom was always like my mom was a ray of sunshine she was the kind of person that would like start singing zippity doo in the bathroom Mm -hmm. and like people in other stalls would join in Mm -hmm. and she would walk out of the bathroom like being best friends with these like Mm -hmm. seven people like she just made friends in the lines of grocery stores she was a very personable like positive person Mm -hmm. and so she like made this process as fun as she could I guess like mom was the type of person that flowers arrangements she got she would rearrange them and send them to like mothers of new babies right right like that's the kind of thing that my mom did but she also like made things fun by like one time she like was pointing the remote at the at like the window and like trying to turn on the window right and she was hopped up on drugs like I think this was part of the time that she was in the ICU and my, was it my dad or my brother? Anyway, someone said to her, like, really painfully, like, seeing mom so disoriented, you know, that's that's the window, that's not the TV. And she, like, gives him a sidelong glance, and she's like, yeah, no, I know, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, mom would do things like that. And I took it, because I didn't want my experience... To mirror moms in every way, so there was a lot of things that I went to kind of more of an extreme, or like certainly cutting my hair, like shaving my hair off. I Mm -hmm. was like that was such a traumatic incident for me as a child because mom, you know, burst out into tears one night at dinner and said, "I'm sick of eating my hair." And we went into the downstairs bathroom while mom sobbed quietly and my 17 year old sister shaved my mother's head. Mm -hmm. So that was such a traumatic experience that I'm like Cersei Lannister. I'm gonna like call play my right. head shave in cancer. But I, so I saw mom as both an example of what I wanted to do, but also, mm. like, I don't want to do.
1: So you certainly, I mean, you had your own reaction to your mom and going through this as a patient, but did your brothers and sisters have reactions too? Because they clearly went through a trauma too. And did you feel echoes of that at all? Like, I mean, I imagine you would. I imagine there would be. Yeah, I mean, people. my...
2: It was interesting for me to see, I think that you deal with trauma at the time it happens or you're going to deal with it later like there's mm-hmm. no not dealing with the trauma it's hard
1: to get out of it too i think like yes, if you, you can't just get delay out of it, it yeah if you when you get stuck in it you can get really can become very uh, foundational
2: right and so i think that me and my brothers and sisters there was like a lot that we didn't process at the time because we were so young or whatever else and so this brings up all of those same things that we like didn't deal with or didn't process or didn't like fully think-throw at the time, and now you're dealing with your sister, like, having a pretty serious cancer, watching her like you watched mom, and dealing with the trauma from 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. So that whole process was, like, some people in my life, I don't think they even saw me. Like, when they looked at me, they saw mom. Right. And that's kind of a weird... That's a weird... I broke through that as much as I could because... Some people, I wanted to shake them and be like, "I am not mom."
1: But then you realized you had no strength because you were going through chemo and radiation. Well, I had no strength, <laughs> and it, it wouldn't do any good. No, because there, because you can't lead someone out of trauma. Well, you can't lead someone somewhere they don't want to go. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. You, in your situation, you couldn't have led someone out of that trauma because you were you had enough on your plate. Yeah, you know that was it. You had to. It was survival for you. Well,
2: and so when you go through cancer, I mean, everyone knows that you're dealing with your own emotions, but right. then you're dealing with your caregiver's emotions but i was another layer on top of that dealing with my own emotions about Mm -hmm. mom's death and then i'm dealing with my whole family's emotions about my mom's Mm -hmm. death, and that was like this is a little too emotional for me you guys Mm -hmm. i'm gonna put up google you guys you know what? My googly eyes might have been a little bit of a escapism. Your googly eyes
1: are now continuing to make the whole cancer world sing.
2: Oh, my God. I think that there's someone putting up googly eyes in South Africa. I think there's a movement going on. I hope so. <laughs> I support you, Liana. And it started at Dana-Farber like a virus.
1: So I guess... Um, I mean, is this all a little too heavy? It's funny. When no, we, no, we... I guess I want to, what I want to, I was just looking down at, and I think like this is really important. Like, it's kind of interesting that you've got a really different story from your mom. And that's what I'm reflecting on right now. Being here today It's like, we're talking about googly eyes. Yeah. Although
2: and I think... mom would have totally, I mean, I think mom was hampered a little bit by living in 1998 because now there's like an online Twitter community Yeah. that is is your tribe and mom would have gathered a tribe and been involved in a way that she couldn't have been in nineteen ninety eight.
1: Your mom might have gotten regular regular um testing. She would have gotten regular mammograms quite likely and it would have been a very different outcome. I mean that's the whole thing. It's it's a butterfly's wings flapping and it's I mean catching her that late though. No no no, but I'm saying like but mammograms are more standard operational procedure now. Well, they are, but part of it- I mean, they weren't for me. They, I, Look, I slipped through the cracks too, but the only thing I'm saying is, is like, we're just, we're in a different place with different outcomes now and there's hope now and there's time for googly eyes and there's time for breathing and there's time. Maybe, I mean, look, and maybe your time is is extended, not you know from the two to three month period, maybe it's extended to the two to three to four year period, but there's a lot of, that's a lot of time. Well, but also our time is extended
2: because I have a member of my family who went through it, so I knew... I knew what to look for in a way that mom didn't. Mom didn't grow up knowing this. Right. No one talked about it. No one in her family had cancer. So,
1: or if they did, no one knew. They just died. And that yeah. was really the way of the world, right? Yeah. I'm sure we so, both had people dying of cancer in our families. Right. But they just died. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and sometimes you didn't even know it was
1: cancer. They no. got like
2: falsely. They just, or they got
1: shot by an arrow or a gun or something. I mean, they could have had cancer when they were in World War II or something, but like, right. you know, who knew? Like, yeah. you know, but, but I think that's the thing now. Is like that's what's striking me as different is that like we have this chance and we have this chance because the generation before us right i mean worked on this i think and that's the thing like i'm just feeling like i feel like it's just cool that we have a chance to sit here and talk about it right now and i'm so grateful for that generation for paving the way for us to have more knowledge well
2: and for most of my cancer treatment i was like i wish i could talk to mom yeah because mom would have been, like, mom would have moved in with me the day I was diagnosed. Right. She would have come and take care of me. Right. And no one did that when I was diagnosed. That's so hard. So, like, I just wanted to talk to mom, both because she had been through it and because she was my mom.
1: Exactly. My mom got right in there. And I really um, needed that. I needed that, and it's it's really, it's, I just, I think about that a lot, the fact that you had to go through this, um, not only without your mom being here, but with your family being in Utah, too, yep. and you're really strong to have gone through that. Well, and people,
2: like, flew out really regularly, like, yeah. they had a family meeting, just like with mom, yep. like... At diagnosis and they like made a calendar so there were some things i think we were more organized on and more prepared on but there was some things that it was just
1: yeah it's just it's like you want your mother in those cases if you have one you know and you have one that you Cause can because she, she's the hub <laughs> Yeah, and so it's like it's just it's you you're brought back to your infancy a little bit and um I feel like, you know, th- these these spirits are are here with us sometimes and oh, mom was definitely there
2: through my entire Good. treatment. I mean, wow. the the MRI guided biopsy which was still like the most traumatic part of my treatment <laughs> that was before my even diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Like I went into the waiting room and they had a picture of my mom's favorite flower, the California poppy. Yeah and I like started bawling and I'm like yeah I can't go through what you went through but I didn't end up coming through what she went through.
1: I was just about to say that you didn't yeah. you didn't and that's the gift, right? That's I mean it's it's a bit of a shitty gift, but it's Thanks the, mom. Yeah. Well, really it's it's not thanks mom, it's thanks cancer, isn't it? It's thanks cancer. Yeah. All right, Leanne, I love you. <laughs> happy New Year. Oh, Happy
2: New Year. to New
1: <laughs> That was our episode. Thanks
2: for listening to Thanks Cancer.
1: If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram
2: or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks Cancer.
1: And please, we'd love to hear from you, your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community.
2: So send us your audio files at infothankscancer.com.
0: Well, the traffic stopped. You lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your We're your passport date, cause cancer's damn hard. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark.